I'll start over here. So once again, my name is Colette, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, and I have a 100-pound weight loss um, that um, I've maintained for long term. I was 300 pounds at the age of 18. Um, and at the age of 70, I'm at least 100 pounds less than that. I was very, very lucky that I found the 12 steps when I was 21 years old. And I was exceedingly lucky because my very first meeting was out in California. And it sort of came from the West Coast to the East Coast. Um, I think that's where Roseanne was at. And I was in Long Beach, California, staying with my brother for a summer, looking for a geographical cure to my misery. And I had read about Overeaters Anonymous and I made a phone call and I walked into a room where there was maybe a hundred people and people of all sizes, shapes, forms, colors, and they were all in this room together. And I thought prior to that, that I was the only person that in the entire world that um, was a compulsive overeater. I, and my, I'm so egocentric and vain and self-centered in my disease. I don't think I ever saw anyone else. I only saw myself and what was wrong with me. And I thought that I never thought I had a problem with my behavior. I thought the whole entire problem was me. Um, and, f you know, for the sake of the story, I came from um, an alcoholic home. And it's so interesting to me as I reflect on my life, although there was various forms of addiction going on, I was like the lightning rod because my addiction was showing up on my body and I was shamed for that body and um, ridiculed for that body and, and it just, in a way, protected everybody else from looking at their own thing, right? But anyways, back to the good part of the story. So I walked into this room and the thing that really amazed me and stunned me was when they said, that they had a disease, that compulsive overeating was a disease and not that I was the disease or I was the problem, but that I had a problem with the substances of white flour and sugar or whatever the gray sheet plan was at the time. And now, 50 years later, there's current research that's showing that there are things in our foods and substances that, that and within our DNA and body systems that make certain people process food differently, right? And so, I'm, but I was so grateful to hear that I had a disease. Um, the part that I wasn't ready for was to have the physical recovery, but I think this idea, this idea of the steps was the beginning for me, the steps. And just that idea of saying, I am powerless over my life and my life is unmanageable. Just the admission was so humbling to me. And yet it took some, it, it gave me almost a freedom to realize I could, I didn't have to do it all. I'm powerless over it and that I needed something to help me and that I needed a higher power. 
so I can tell you the details of my story and, and take you down the long and arduous path and all the things that I tried and et cetera. But what I really want to say is, you know, that it was the beginning of a journey and the idea of taking one step one day really has given me the life that I have today. One of my favorite parts of the program, and it took a long, long time. It took a very long time for me to to change in my mind and my body and my spirit. And I think what what was so interesting to my, me in my life, it didn't matter what I achieved or I accomplished or what I dreamed or what I made happen. Um, I, I'm a very plucky human being, and if you told me I couldn't do it, I would do it. Uh, if you said, you know, and they told me I couldn't do a lot. They told me I was uh, uh, not smart enough to go to college and too fat to ever get married and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I got lots of negative messages. But I think what really, what I didn't know was what would I be without the disease, without the eating? What What was on the other side of this thing? It's sort of like, what, what what's on the other side? Where's the Emerald City in this, right? And it, for me, ultimately, it was in the promises. And finding those things happening in my life one day at a time. And I, I think I knew where I wanted to go, but I didn't know until I heard the promises that I would intuitively know that I could have a freedom. So there were periods in there where I had uh, weight loss or a smaller size body, but I wasn't working those steps and then I didn't have the promises. And they say that all those things will come true if we keep in fit spiritual condition, right? But fit spiritual condition, it's not like something I can do once and get done with, right? It's something that the program has taught me that I have to do on a regular basis. So here I am. I'm going to talk a little bit about today, but I'm also going to circle back to what I need to do now in my recovery. But for the physical part of the recovery, I don't eat any white flour or sugar. I eat three meals a day, but I'm not restrictive in my eating. There are moments where I eat very liberally of, of really lovely gluten-free foods, and there's times when I will intuitively know to eat less. Uh, my main goal is to not medicate with food, right? Not to medicate with food. Now, I was thinking this week about um, beginning and, and, and giving myself credit for little steps, you know. So there was a point when I began to, the, my physical recovery kind of began when my mind changed somewhat. And I started doing this thing where I, I, I put a a star on the calendar for the days that I was abstinent, little blue foil stars like I used to get in grade school on my paper. And what I began to do was explore this idea of progress over perfection because at the core of my disease, the way it manifests in me, if I wasn't perfect, I was a failure. And uh, something I read, it's not, it's not program literature, but it was called Addiction to Perfection and tied up in my disease was that I had to be perfect 
or I was worth nothing. So I had to be perfect or I was worth nothing. And the eating part of my disease, I'll circle back to the other idea in a minute, but the eating part of my disease is I was um, a non-purging bulimic. So I would do these events where, and I didn't see them coming. It was like I was having panic attacks with food. And um, I I now kind of think that's what they were. And then I would self-medicate by binging. But I would think I was fine. And then I'd be driving home from work. And then I would just stop. And then I would buy massive amounts of food. And I would turn off my phone. And I would spend a weekend gorging and sleeping like a, a lost weekend, right? And so that was my eating behavior. But back to the little changes. So... What I once I started looking at not having to be perfect, and I saw that maybe on the calendar there were five blue stars, and then on the calendar there were eight blue stars, and you know I began to give myself credit for the successes that I had, rather than always living in the failure of my life, and that helped me a lot. And then at some other point, I um. I didn't have the physical recovery that I had hoped for, and I'd been going to meetings, and I'd had sponsors, and I just couldn't seem to latch on to that, that the physical recovery or a food plan that I could succeed with. And I, I started thinking about how much I hated myself every time I ate and how much I hated my body. And my children can probably tell you about the time that they saw I took the scale in the basement and I just took a hammer to it. And I was like, I cannot let you decide for me whether I'm valuable anymore. I cannot let a number decide for me if I'm worthy. But somewhere in there, I, I there was this great, big, huge exhale of acceptance. It's like, okay, my feet are size 12. I was 300 pounds at at 18 years old, maybe I'm not going to be able to change this. Maybe I won't be able to do it. But I could not bear to have the self-loathing every day of my life. So I made a decision that with or without the weight loss, I was going to try to love myself. And then I began to see on some level, I didn't know as a child how to keep myself safe from things or how to self-regulate my emotions or knew where there was a sanctuary, and so it was food, right? So I did this this thing, and it's so different. I went out and I said, if you need the weight or the weight kept yourself safe, you cannot hate your body anymore, right? And I went out and bought this very pretty ring, and I bought it on time, and it looks like a flame of diamonds, And I made the decision, just like we're doing this, I made a decision to turn turn my life and my will over. Well, I made a decision that I was going to try to love myself regardless of the the weight, which sort of changed everything for me because the message I got as a child is no one would love me unless my weight was less, right? And I bought that ring, and then slowly and surely – with the help of an absolutely wonderful sponsor and lots of unpacking of trauma and drama and therapy and all sorts of opportunities, retreats, I I chipped away 
at the wreckage of my own life and past. And I can tell you today that I like myself. I love myself. I'm comfortable with myself. I feel good with myself. I love the tools. I like to go to meetings. I I need the tool of working out. I need to be physical. I need to do a, a, a step 11 every day. And I mean, and that was really hard for me because I'm a very busy person. I'm a work addict as well. And um, I'm, I'm a doer, a dervish kind of person, but I do a step 11 every day and I lay down and, and try to communicate to my higher power and try to more listen to my higher power, right? And, and so here I am, you know, I, 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 I'm living this life. I will tell you that um, after a hundred pound weight loss, I indulged myself in um, some plastic surgery um, to get rid of the excess skin. And I felt like um, I didn't need to, I didn't want to take it around with me the rest of my life. I didn't, I had a right to live in a body where I didn't have to live encumbered by the, the, the trauma of the extra skin I don't even know how to say it, but it was a big decision to make, have those surgeries. And I'm I'm grateful that um, I did have those surgeries and, and that I can enjoy the healthy body I have today. But I want to shift gears just very quickly. I'm pretty sure I'm probably getting near to the five minute thing. So I'm joyfully living this story of recovery, right? And I'm thinking I'm peaceful. The promises are coming true. Like every. Is my five-minute warning? You still have six minutes. Thank you so much. So uh, the promises are coming true, you know. Um, in my life, my, my children are grown. They, they have their own challenges, their own addictions, their own, own mental health addictions. I can even see somehow where my disease, you know, what I wasn't prepared for, and I'm just going record here, it is really, really hard. It was really hard on my family for me to get sober because I had another addiction. I, I was a double dipper in the addiction world, and I'm not sure I can I, – if I have amends to make, I not only have to make amends for what I did in the throes of my disease, but they had to live with a woman who was getting sober off an addiction, and I was just spewing rage, hurt. The, the trauma that I pressed down would come out of me in ways sideways. I just didn't see it. Lots of PTSD. And when I stopped self-medicating, they, got, uh, they had to live with a very crazy woman for a while. And, and there was a period one time where I slapped my daughter and um, I picked up my, my substance again, right? Because I felt so bad. And then I realized if I kept picking up they weren't going to have a mother. I wasn't going to be there. So they were going to have to have a crazy, bitchy mother. And really, when I was in the disease, they didn't have a mother anyways, right? Um, but I want to just sort of jump into this year. So 2024, I turned 70. I have every reason to be, you know, celebratory of a life lived well. I taught for decades and a couple of degrees, and I'm, I act, and I published and I mean a lot of dreams have come true a couple romantic stories and trips and all that I mean I could rest right and then (laughs) then this work of recovery 
as a sponsor, she won't leave me alone, right? She's tough on me. But then someone mentions this book called Drop the Rock, right? And it is a hazel. I had never heard of it ever till this year. And it's about removing character defects. And it's a book that's about step six and seven. And it ta- it's my one of my sponsees, because I'm so special, I need extra help. She reads a paragraph to me every day and we discuss it. Because it helps me. My 12-step work with her is really helping me. But it is really making me reflect on the ways that I'm in the world that are still not healthy. Right? And and I have identified um, my two main character defects that are still interfering, maybe not in my life, but in my serenity and in my own living peacefully and and so this book has helped me to see this and take that journey so i'm a vain glorious person so if there's a problem i think i can help you with it so i have a great defect about vanity and thinking egocentric vanity that i could be the person to help everybody and the other one is that i'm very very reactive you know, I swear to you, I was not so reactive when I was eating and smoking, right? But it's it can be really big for me. And I won't know why I'm reactive, right, unless I take a daily inventory and check in every day. So I'm finding this book very helpful. Um, and I'm just, I have it right in my lap right now. It's just, you know, it, little things. It's about unpacking the things that are in my way. It is trusting that God will reshape me into what I was, I'm reading from the book now, what I was meant to be in the first place, a decent human being, you know. It is, it is, I I wasn't just attending meetings anymore to avoid doing what I needed to do outside of meeting, but I really integrated them into my life, okay. And Every time I call my sponsor, it's like, well, what do you, what did you need to change in you, right? After I tell her how I feel, um, and and so really, this this book and 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 it's taking my my life to a, bit, a much different level. Um, I, it's helping me. I'm reading from the book again. I have discovered that 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 doing is more important than having, and experience is more important than possessing. And so I am trying to work this book because I'm beginning to see how my defects really get in the way. Currently, just for the sake of this narrative, my ex-husband is actively dying. My adult son is living with me from out of state temporarily, managing his dad here. There's lots of chaos going on, lots of stuff going on. I'll just wrap this up. My son and I can bump into each other any which way but loose. But because of the way I'm working this program right now, I'm really looking at myself deeply, where I'm trying to control, where I'm not bending, um, you know, where I'm where I'm judgmental. And it's helping me to live peacefully with him, peacefully in this, more peacefully in this story, one day at a time. So hard day to day. My son got in a car accident with my car. I worked all day. I live in Michigan. It's been gray. It's been awful. It's been ugly. Uh, it's just 
rubbing Tiger Balm on the sun's back. But tonight, I get to come be with you guys. And look how God took care of me today to make sure I got to be with my community, the people who really know me, who are being so brave, trying to put their food down and show up to live their fullest, best life. And I'm just glad I get to come here tonight. I really am. So thank you.